exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. here on your exposure impact 88.9 fm i'm your host melissa horace coming up tonight we've got a report coming from ian walker uh, from i stop hate msu's new initiative we also have president simon's state of the university address as well as an interview by russ white with the faculty of msu's department of telecommunication information studies and media but coming up right now on msu today we have an interview with mateen cleaves here on your impact 88.9 fm this is MSU Today on Impact Radio. I'm Russ White. All-time Spartan basketball great Mateen Cleaves had his number 12 retired at the February 3rd MSU basketball game. Here's how the ceremony sounded, starting with Breslin Center PA announcer Terry Braverman. Ladies and gentlemen, Michigan State basketball is more than a team. It's a program. A program built on unity, toughness, and championship-caliber play. It's about fans, the Izone, the MSU faculty, Spartan Brass, Spirit Squads, our community, and yes, it's about student-athletes, our players, past, present, and future. Take a look high above in the Breslin Center and look at the names and remember the memories. Heathcote, Respert, Green, Skiles, Vincent, Kelser, Smith, and Johnson. And this afternoon, one more name, and many more memories will join them. Mateen Cleves embodies what it means to be a Spartan. He took a chance on a young coach named Tom Izzo and helped turn Michigan State basketball into one of the nation's elite programs. He has several individual accomplishments to his credit. Three-time All-American, two-time Big Ten Player of the Year, most outstanding player of the 2000 Final Four, finishing his career as the Big Ten's all-time assists leader. But even more important to Mateen was the team's success. As the Spartans won three Big Ten championships and two Big Ten tournament titles, advanced to two Final Fours, and captured the 2000 National Championship, realizing his lifelong dream. Just as important, however, Mateen will be remembered for his toughness, his passion, his love for the game, his teammates, and Michigan State University. With him on the court this afternoon, the university president, Lorena K. Simon, director of athletics, Ron Mason, his fiancée, Shanda Lane, his brother and sister, Ali and Monique Cleves, and his parents, Herbert Cleves and Francis Cleves. And joining him at this time, head coach Tom Izzo, presenting the team with his number 12 framed jersey as the program honors Mateen Cleves. I'm kind of, um, I'm, 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 I'm at a loss for words. Uh, 
this is a very special day. Uh, uh, first of all, I want to thank God. Uh, I want to thank my mother for making me the strong person I am today. Uh, I want to thank my father for not letting us watch no other school but Michigan State at home. Uh, my brothers, my sisters, my fiance, um, the great players that's played here before me, especially the guys in the Raptors. We got guys from Flint, Michigan, like Terry Furlow. Uh, we got, you know, guys Andre Rise and guys Mark Ingram and guys that paved the way for us. And I'm so thankful. And uh, all my teammates that I always play with and I ever play with, I love them. Without them, it wouldn't be possible. The Flintstones, Antonio, Pete, Charlie. You know, it, it, it just means so much to me. Uh, Eric Snow, uh, Steve Smith was a, a big part of my life. Magic Johnson, um, people that had a big influence on me coming to Michigan State. Terrence Green, Dr. Charles Tucker. You know, there's so many people I can think, and I don't have that much time. And last but not least, man, you know, Coach Izzo, man. Uh, <laughs> just was, was heaven sent to me in my life. And I remember I was a small kid coming out of high school and I had this this uh, this man come in my house and try to sell me, uh, telling sell the school to me and was telling me if you come to Michigan State we will win a national championship. And he was true, definitely, you know. So uh, I've been through a lot of things in my life and, and done a lot of things, but Coach Izzo, you're priceless. I love you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we honor Mateen Cleaves and raise that number 12 high in the Breslin Center. Time, Mateen sat down with MSU today and talked about the emotions he and Coach Izzo were going through right before the ceremony. Um, we're just uh, we're just sitting back there uh, and um, just talking and uh, 
And I was gonna try to hold back my tears. And uh, I looked at him. He started first, so I'm gonna blame it on him. And uh, I just looked at him. And uh, you know, when I look at him, man, there's so many, so many things that just go through my mind. The memories and the uh, the great things he's he, he's done for me and uh, molded me from a boy to a man. Uh, you know, like I said out there, he's so priceless, you know, and whenever I see him, I just get so emotional because he was, he was definitely heaven sent to me in my life. Well, probably the best two um, feelings I've ever had, you know, um, was when winning the national championship and then that feeling there, you know. Um, like I said, it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm just in awe, you know, and uh, I'm very grateful and very thankful. Um, it's, it's a special day for me, and uh, like I said, I... It's really hard to explain it, but like I'm so excited about it and very thankful for it because, uh, like I said, I grew up and I watched a lot of players, you know, and I used to come in and look up and see the Magic Johnsons, Greg Kelser, Steve Smith, Scott Skiles, Johnny Green, Sean Respert. Uh, I see all those guys, you know, and uh, Sam Vincent, I mean, Jay Vincent. So um, it's, it's definitely an honor and it's just, it's very touching. Mateen, how does this rank in your career achievements? Uh, great, uh, you know, because it, it's not for me, you know. You know, uh, a lot of people had a lot to do with me uh, getting to this point. You know, and uh, I was, you know, I'm, you know, my name is on the jersey, but it's, it should be a lot of people name on that jersey. Not, I, I mean, just my teammates and even people back in my community that helped raise me. What is it that Coach Izzo tries to do with the players in his program? Uh, um, I think as a kid, you don't understand it. Uh, kind of like a parent, you know, they tell you things and you don't understand it until you leave. But. Uh, one thing he does do is he he, um, he molds young men, young boys into men, and uh, that's one thing he did for me, and uh, that's why I want, I'm so grateful for him. And I, I don't know how he does it, and um, I really don't know, but he, he definitely molds young men, I mean young boys into men. Do you miss college basketball, Mateen? <laughs> oh, I miss it. I miss it so much. It, it, there's nothing like it. You know, I've been, and I played in some great cities, you know, uh, Detroit. I played in Sacramento, Seattle. I mean, great fans. But there's nothing like this, you know. And uh, to come to come back home and just to, 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 uh, to, to enjoy it, you know, it, there's nothing like it. You, you can't compare nothing to it. So what were you thinking about when your number was actually raised to the rafters? <laughs> just all the great memories. You know, uh, I wish all my teammates that I played with could enjoy that. And I wish they could have been here to to to, to, to um, go through this with me because it's not me, you know. Without those guys, without coaches, or without the guys I play with, they wouldn't. They, they, we wouldn't be seeing that jersey being um, raised to the Raptors, you know. So I, I can't take the credit. I cannot because there were so many people, my teammates, and there were so many other people that helped me out so much. So I really can't take the credit for that. How different of a person would you be had you not come to MSU? Man, I, I'd be a total different person, you know, because. Um, if, if Coach Izzo's not here, who knows? I might not even be here, you know, and uh, because he was the big, big reason I came to Michigan State, along with Antonio and uh, you know Morris being here. But I'd probably be a total different person, you know. I don't say I would, I would be a bad person, but I'd probably be a total different person. Coach Izzo sat you right behind the bench during the game. Would you like to coach someday? Um, I think uh, Coach was he been a little slick, you know. Uh, my my seats were supposed to be up in the stands, you know, and I find myself right behind the bench. So <laughs> I think that's Coach, you know, want me to get that feel for it. But uh, that's something I definitely want to do in due time. Uh, right now, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I'm still enjoying playing, still young, still want to play a few more years. But uh, that's something that I definitely want to do when I come. Definitely want to come back. What would you tell the team today during a timeout? Um. Shoot, that's a tough question. Um, 
probably I, I, I probably won't be. I probably sit back and just let him play. You know, it depends on the situation. You know, I can see a little Izzo coming out at me. You know, getting in some guy's face if I had to. But uh, you know, it, 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 I have to definitely be in that situation to tell you what I do. As you continue to work on your pro career, Mateen, are you at peace with being known as a great college basketball player? <laughs> yes. You know, it, it's so uh, man, it's so gratifying. You know, uh, it, it's it's a blessing. It's, it's it's God. You know, and I, I'm so thankful. I'm very grateful, you know. As a kid, you would never think, you know, your jersey would get retired, you know. And I, I mean, in my household, my father, we couldn't watch nothing else but Michigan State. And to watch all those guys for all those years and look up to them and tear up doors and walls in the house trying to simulate these guys, you know, it's, it's just so gratifying and, and it's great. And uh, I wouldn't have it no other way. And what did this moment mean to your parents, whom you're so close to? Oh, man, it means a lot. You know, uh, you know, it, it, it was good for me, but, uh, you know, they, they've been so excited. You know, they, you know, they, once they found out the jersey was getting retired, they just been on there. They couldn't wait to get up here. And uh, like I said, it's great for me, but it's even better to see my mom and dad, my brother, sister, my fiance, to see everybody go out and enjoy it just as much as I do. That's all-time Spartan basketball great Mateen Cleaves, whose number 12 now resides in the Breslin Center Rafters. I'm Russ White for MSU Today on Impact Radio. For more MSU Today, please visit us on the web at msutoday.com. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432 3893. And now, back to Exposure. This is MSU Today on Impact Radio. I'm Russ White. Today I'm at MSU's Gel Lab. I'm visiting with Brian Wynn, Brian McGurko, and Carrie Heater. All three are on the faculty in MSU's Department of Telecommunication, Information Studies, and Media. Wynn and McGurko co-direct the Gel Lab, and Heater is a principal investigator in the lab. They are all three involved in MSU's new Serious Games initiative as well. Brian Wynn, what is the Gel Lab? The Gel Lab is the Games for Entertainment and Learning Lab. It started in, I think, fall of 2005. It's an association of faculty, graduate students, undergraduate students, all working on research and development projects surrounding video games. So expound on that a little bit more. Games for entertainment and learning, how are they different maybe from games for enjoyment like a Madden 07 or something? Well, I mean, we do look at, at traditional video games, games that you play for purely entertainment purposes, but uh, one of our major thrusts is the games for learning component, so looking at using games for purposes other than just purely entertainment. So games that are still fun to play, but you get something out of them beyond just an enjoyable spirit experience. 
I guess that's the distinction too, right? Every game has to be fun. I didn't think about that. Nobody's going to play a boring game. So is the idea to, I guess, get people to learn as well as be entertained or while they're entertained through video games, correct? Well, certainly, yeah. Video games are, you know, as a as a medium, have grown in importance in our society. People go to play games um, for enjoyment, of course. They they have qualities that that attract people, um, uh, you know, and they're a very engaging, interactive experience. So we can use them for purposes other than just entertainment. We can we can harness that interactive nature and use it for purposes of learning, for example. So this is we look at games that are already out there as as well as create some. Definitely, yeah. We, you know, we we analyze games um, as well as create our own games. You know, we've got a number of, of funded projects um, that we're working on serious games. So serious games are, are how we sort of designate uh, the you know sort of the, the state of the art term for games for learning games for health. You know, basically taking any sort of game and using it for purposes other than just entertainment. So can you give me one example of a game you've either, either analyzed or developed that you would call a, a game that was for learning? Well, one of the projects that we're working on now is basically taking uh, a series of games that exercise different cognitive functions. So, you know, the idea is as you age, uh, you lose some of your cognitive abilities. Um, so with games... It allows you to have new experiences, allows you to target certain cognitive um, functions and exercise them just like you would go to the gym and exercise certain muscle groups and so forth. So that's, that's an idea of, of fun games that you would play um, that have a very serious purpose. So summarize for me again sort of the, the mission of the Gel Lab or why it exists. The Gel Lab exists um, basically as a as a home for uh, faculty and graduate students doing work in the area of games. So uh, any sort of project related to um, serious games, educational games, and so forth um, going on runs through the Gel Lab. Well, Brian, let's segue to you now because part of what we have here too in the Gel Lab and telecom is the video game design specialization right i mean tell us what that is um so the video game specialization here is an opportunity for students in uh, the telecom department in the computer science department and in the studio art department all to take classes as a cohort together there's four classes in which they kind of specialize their their major so they're all taking their major course of study but um, focusing it on game design development and then to what kind of jobs does this lead, hopefully? Well, hopefully it either leads to jobs that are actually in the game industry or the simulation industry, um, or it just better prepares them for um, uh, pursuing uh, jobs within their specific course of study. And how is it unfolding? I guess the first class will graduate this uh, spring, but how is it going so far? All right, it's going great. Um, we had uh, about 15 students in the 3D um, games course last semester. Um, we had three uh, quality games come out of that course. Um, students had roughly four to five students in each teams. Um, and this semester they're working in a little bit larger teams on a whole semester long project in the uh, kind of senior design project course that is the, the end of the game specialization. Um, they serve outside clients so there's actually two teams of uh, about eight or seven um, and there are outside clients that the students have to contact, um, work with, and um, develop a product for, 
a game, uh, specifically a game, obviously. So you've kind of said it, but s- sum up the mission, if you if there is one, of the program. Well, the mission is to give students the opportunity to have a more in-depth experience in their sp- in their specific major, whether it be studio arts, computer science, or telecom, in something that they're passionate about, like video games. Carrie Heater is another member of the Gel Lab team and is involved in MSU's initiative to establish a course of study inside a master's degree in telecommunication information studies and media that focuses on serious games. Carrie, tell us more, please. Well, everybody knows that games are fun, uh, at least good games are fun, but games are also powerful, and games impact the player. And uh, Serious Games is about games and the power of games beyond just fun. So elaborate a little bit on what a serious game is you started to. I was exploring the Nobel Peace Prize site, and I encountered a game by the American Red Cross called the Prisoner of War game. And... This is an example of how playing the Geneva Convention is completely different than reading the Geneva Convention. So I had never actually read it before. I assumed that it was a 280-page document with many footnotes. And I was shocked as I got to, right before you play the game, you have the opportunity to read it. It's a couple of paragraphs. Okay, so that was a surprise. And, And I thought, okay, well, now I've got it. Then I went into the game. It's a very short game. And initially, you evaluate eight individuals to determine whether or not they should be granted prisoner of war status which i never realized was a, a, a good thing to be granted if you're you know in, in the in the in the realm of well if you if you're going to be imprisoned you'd rather anyway so, so so you apply what you've read and and it brings out nuances that hadn't occurred to you in simply reading it because it brings out individual cases and you think oh okay now i understand it more deeply Then they move you into running a prisoner of war camp, and that simply means responding to requests from prisoners, from the press, and from from, uh, countries and publics applying the Geneva Convention, and that too brings out nuances. And I realized after after playing that 10-minute game that I had a completely different and deeper understanding of it than I had ever had. And that's just an example of how games impact the player in different ways, in in role-play games and in different things. And, And it's an area that's just fascinating. Right, because it's not well understood yet. It's 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 got some new territory in there. What what is the impact of engagement of it of it of of attention of 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 the play factor and how does knowledge interplay? When people play fun games right now, they learn. They just don't learn things that actually matter, you know. And how else does it affect us? Anyway, so we are starting a serious game design master's program course of study, and um, serious games are even harder to make than fun games. Because it brings together, you, you, you want accurate and meaningful content. You need, you need the purposes to be there. There's all sorts of different theories. There's theories of learning, as you might understand. There's psychological theories, um, perception, um, persuasion, human-computer interac- interaction, consumer behavior. So, so you need to not just know everything you need to know to design a good game, but you need all these other kinds of things, and you need research to make it better and that kind of thing. So Michigan State University has many, many faculty working in this area to understand it better, to apply the power of it, to create games in a a range of different areas. And we're looking for students who want to change the world with us, who want to explore this area. We're looking for students from a wide variety of backgrounds with a bachelor's degree in, could be computer science, could be art, but it could also be epidemiology or environmental science, in other words, content experts, or psychology or education. In other words, we want to get together people who are as fascinated by this as we are, 
and we are also bringing together industry advisors so that we're connected with the jobs and what, what, what the real world wants. And we're, we're, we, we will bring people to the point where, where we're exploring this space together. We're teaching you how to make serious games, how to understand the theory of it, how to do research, and, and, and doing many, many projects to come out and enter this area with, with, with a great background. So we, we are re recruiting now. It's just starting up. Um, the deadline for application is early April. And the very first batch of students will begin with us in fall. We have 20 faculty members from 11 departments, including museum studies and, and, and education and, and telecommunication information studies and media. So it will be very interdisciplinary. And the most important thing that you would have coming into this is a passionate interest. And, and, and the faculty are also fascinated by this. And, and our growing number of people from industry are eager for people to come. They, they want to um, uh, help teach. They, they, they're going to do mini lectures. They're going to offer internships and things like that. And so together we will explore this space and change the world. So it will be, you, you will get very special attention. You, we will care about you. We will work with you. You will be with faculty from the Gel Lab who are creating things like cognitive games, games for nutrition education, um, games, uh, any, is it f fascinating questions, uh, learning with the world how to make these, what impact they have. So how do people get more information about MSU's Serious Games initiative? You can start with the website, with it, which is seriousgames, that's one word, dot msu dot edu. Or you can simply email me. I'm, I'm the co-champion of this program of study, heater, H-E-E-T-E-R, at msu.edu. Is there anything you'd like to add, Carrie? The Serious Game Design course of study aims at the heart of serious game design. So we go right at the center of game design, theory, and content. In our program, in, in the course of study, we will give everyone the common ground of how to design serious games, the, some of the uh, pieces of theories and things. We will help you develop an area of specialization. In, in these 11 different departments, you, you may um, focus on, on your, your, your elective credits in computer science so, so that you really develop that, or, or in, in education and things like that, so, so that you will help you target where you're trying to go in industry, what you want to do. And, and you're right, you, you come here because you see the power and the fun of games and you want to do more. Maybe you, maybe you even have an undergraduate specialization completed in game design. And you think, what's next? Do I want to go to electronic arts and, 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 and just, just work on huge teams of, of fun games? Or do I, or, or do I want to take this and, and, and do even more in the world? Do I, do, I, do I want to make people more aware of what they can do to help the environment? Um, do I want to change the nature of fourth grade so that you win fourth grade instead of, instead of um, sitting in a classroom all the time? I mean, th this, this is a, an emerging tool. It's a powerful tool. And together with the faculty here and the industry advisors, we're looking for interesting, talented people, to students, to join us in, in this endeavor and then to go out and, and change the world. That's Carrie Heater from MSU's Department of Telecommunication, Information Studies and Media, the Gel Lab, and the forthcoming Serious Games course of study inside the master's program in the department. You also heard from assistant professors Brian Wynn and Brian McGurko, who are also involved in the Gel Lab and Serious Games course of study. For more information on the Games for Entertainment and Learning Lab on the web, you can visit gel, that's G-E-L, gel.msu.edu. And for more information on the Serious Games initiative, that site is seriousgames, one word, seriousgames.msu.edu. 
And for more MSU Today, please visit us on the web at msutoday.com. I'm Russ White for MSU Today on Impact Radio from Michigan State University. You're listening to Friday Night Insight. My name's Melissa. Black History Month is February, and for those of you out there who have ever wondered why um, Black History Month actually falls on February, we've got the answer for you. Carter Goodwin uh, Woodson chose the month in 1926 to commemorate Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, who were both born in February. Um, February also marks that time of year, it's state address season. We've had the State of the Union, State of the State, and right now we're actually going to bring you uh, President Simon's State of the University address here on your Impact 88.5. 9FM. This is MSU Today on Impact Radio. I'm Russ White. Michigan State University President Luanna Simon outlined the university's progress and future challenges in a talk she delivered at the university's annual awards convocation on February 8, 2007. Today is a really a traditional day to celebrate the university's founding, its values. Historically, there have been uh, the 40 or 50-minute speeches by presidents that are similar to state of the state, state of the nation addresses about what we've done and and uh, what we need to do. And I have one of those, and you can read it on the website tomorrow. Uh, because I want to just sort of spend a little bit of time here uh, talking about sort of a bit of context, give you a hint about some of those accomplishments and why I think they're important, and give you a flavor about some of the things we're working on for the future, but not to do that in the traditional format. And I really do urge you tomorrow to go to the website and, and read all the specifics. When I think about the last year or so and the economy in Michigan, what we hear nationally, the competitiveness of the United States. And two years ago, when I did the inaugural address, I talked about harsh winds blowing on us and not just the Michigan weather, but the kind of chilling, bone-chilling winds that, that tore at our being, at our values, and at our economic stability. And at that time, we talked about really the role of a land-grant university and its values and how it could lead a nation, a state, the world to potentially a better tomorrow. And we might have the perfect storm sequel two years later, uh, much like all those Rocky Balboa movies where we've been through this sort of crisis yet again. If you look at the unemployment data in Michigan, the loss of the knowledge-based jobs represented by Pfizer, and just a general state of, of unease. But we also look at, and you'll see it in the accomplishment, there are lots of bright spots, and many of those bright spots have been a part of the work of Michigan State University and our partners. Team MSU, the faculty, and our partners working together to understand that the land-grant vision was really simply all about hope. It was about people being good enough for the proudest and open to the poorest and worrying about the disparities in society, even though those chilly winds of Proposal 2 or domestic partner benefits are now sort of at gale force. And it's not losing sight of those values and the ways in which we can, in small ways and in policy ways, really make a difference. It's a continuing disparity in education in Michigan and the workforce issues that we must address to make the state competitive. 
and we need to be a part of that, whether it's in urban Michigan or in rural Michigan. We also have to worry more and more about how we can get cutting-edge knowledge into the society so that, that sophisticated issues like the bioeconomy aren't simply ethanol. Because ethanol is important, but it's not our future. And that really is a part of a land-grant university, a world-grant university. We also have to, after spending all of the last couple, three weeks with the tax panel, the emergency group, I have a real a better understanding of all the financial fundamentals of the state. And the outcome of that report was simply that no single solution will work. And I think the governor in her State of the State address did parrot some of those lang the language by saying that this is not a Democrat or Republican solution, my solution, your solution, it is our solution. And the university needs to help do that. But at the heart of that is how we regain trust. The accountability measures, the kind of dialogue that will be necessary for the state is how do we instill greater trust in one another and greater trust in a university that it can be a part of the solution and set its own interests aside for the betterment of society. That the accomplishments that are listed in the report, the statement that you'll see, and there are many, weren't simply to make us better in and of itself, but they were there because by making us better, we're going to make the state, the nation, and the world better. And then we looked at our accomplishments, not simply for look at me, but look at us and what we have done. And the stories of the faculty members, the staff members, the students we're going to recognize today are the vignettes, the stories that give life to the fact that we have, through our work, not simply advanced us in a very narrow way of the reputation index or the U.S. News and World Report, but we have, in fact, made a, made a huge difference around the world every day in many, many ways. And what has animated the people that we recognize today and many, many people around Team MSU is that that simple test of are we adding value and are we making a difference. And that really is the land grant values, the world grant values. What I know is that as we think about these inequities, I want to also think about Eleanor Roosevelt's uh, comments uh, during World War II. And she said, almost the biggest obligation we have today is to prove in times of stress we can still live up to our beliefs. And that really is our challenge today in terms of the fundamental values of quality, inclusion, and connectivity. Because the winds will cause us to look inward, find shelter, and not be able to, and use excuses like a proposal to say that our belief of inclusion isn't real anymore. It just simply requires a lot more hard work, a lot more outreach, a lot more creativity to both be within the law and promote inclusion. And so like Eleanor Roosevelt, I'll pledge to you and then Team MSU that we believe we are up to the stresses of the time and we will live up to our beliefs. If you look at the set of accomplishments that, that, are, that will be in the document tomorrow, you'll see in, in, in that document that what we've done essentially is really only a beginning. Much like Ralph Waldo Emerson said, what we call results are really beginnings. 
and you'll see there some very common threads. Much of what we've done are built on partnerships, and I appreciate all of uh, some of our partners being here today. The economic development activities in the community in the region that are so important were built on partnerships. And that we have a stronger foundation, we're on higher and firmer ground as a result of those partnerships and the efforts that birthed new organizations, Prima Civitas and the LEAP organization. The work we're doing with Lakeshore Advantage or Right Place, Detroit Renaissance, you can go on and on in the list. They're all partnerships at their core. The work of the medical school in, in West Michigan, what we're gonna be trying to do with the College of Osteopathic Medicine in, in Southeast Michigan, all built on partnerships. There's an also another important new partnership this year that I need to underscore in these uh, in these accomplishments, and that's the University Research Corridor. Everyone understands, if you read any popular press, that research universities are the key to the future. And there are three major research universities in Michigan with medical schools, Michigan State, Wayne State, and the University of Michigan. And we, through the University Research Corridor, and there was a phone call just this morning to talk about the Pfizer activities. Now in the past, because that had happened in Ann Arbor, it would have been only the University of Michigan. But today, and if you look at Mary Sue Coleman's announcement and statements, when she made her statement, it was about the research university corridor pitching in to help. And that's really important because all of our assets need to move together as a team for the state and for the nation. And that, that partnership is really important. Economic development is suspending, as I said, a lot of our time. It doesn't mean the academic programs are unimportant. And in the, in the speech, the, you're gonna see a lot of those accomplishments in terms of study abroad, outreach, the undergraduate student experience. And you can see that we're really working very hard to be a model for the prototypical 21st century education. And the other big aspect that you hear in, in the nation, at, at national level, state level, is the issues of health. And you'll know that we have online programs in nursing, lots of efforts to try to improve health care around the state in addition to the work of our medical colleges. Those are all really important as part of those partnerships, as is the, the work in fundraising. But let me turn just to give you a preview because in the document is also some things we wanna sort of stretch ourselves with in the future. And one of the things that we wanna talk about and, and think about in that future is that Provost Wilcox and Vice President Poston have been working to have a clear articulation of boldness by design, foci, expectations, and metrics. And consistent with our pattern of communication, there's gonna be a website uh, that'll be launched on March 12th when you all get back from spring break that will begin to organize and to synthesize all of the activities under boldness by design. They give a sense for everybody of the metrics we're trying to use to judge our success. And again, these are metrics not simply to be better than another university, though there are elements of that, but also to be hitting on the targets necessary for us to be that prototypical 21st century university. Provost Wilcox is also gonna be leading an effort to revise the mission statement because that was one of the issues that came out of the North Central Review. 
but we also want to test ourselves with some time limits. So to give you a couple of examples of these quantifiable targets, we want every graduate of Michigan State to have a significant exposure to global content as a part of their educational experience. This goes well beyond study abroad. We also recognize that a vast majority of our faculty must be engaged globally in their research and scholarship. A third of our entering class needs to participate in living learning, and there'll be announcements of some new programs, including one in engineering that we want to launch next year. And we also want to be sure that in this international experience for students, it's not simply studying abroad, it's doing research and working abroad in internships and other kinds of experience, because that really brings riches to their experience. But not simply having them, we want to be the world leader in doing that in the same way we have a recognized reputation in study abroad. We've got to redouble our efforts to, uh, in, to uh, recruit international students. STEM areas are a national priority in terms of American competitiveness. You'll see in the list that we've already had a 25% increase in the last five years of students measuring in natural science in the STEM disciplines. That needs to continue. We need to reduce the barriers so that more students can be a part of that. We've got to also look at ways in which we can balance all this economic development activity with the celebrations of the rest of the university. And part of that is working on a graduate student task force to enhance the undergraduate, the graduate student experience led by Dean Comparins. It's announcing that the next year will be the year of the arts because it gives us a chance to celebrate the opening of the new residential college, the, 21st, the 25th anniversary of Wharton, the anniversary of the Museum of Cultural and Natural History, the Department of Theater, but also to think about the role that arts and humanities must play in the sense of the public good, the soul of this country as we move through these difficult economic times. We also are, are concluding a fundraising campaign and very successfully. We have a lot of work to do to close the endowments. We started last in the Big Ten in the endowments. We moved up to seventh. We need to continue to move up in those rankings because that's important for our overall support. Before the capital campaign, we were raising about $50 million a year. Our highest year so far has been $140 million annually in current and deferred gifts. We're setting a target in the post-campaign era. We've got one more year of the campaign to raise annually $150 million in current and deferred gifts, $150 million. Triple our level th just six years ago. That's important for our future. And we must move our endowment money up. Research grant and contract, we're, we're growing at more than 10%. We're growing rapidly, the numbers have been good, but we haven't been able to move up in the rankings and our position with research. So now we've got to grow over 10% in research. That will require setting pretty definite targets by colleges and programs in terms of external support, including foundations for the arts and humanities. And we have to have measurable outcomes to do this. Provost Wilcox and Vice President Gray will be leading these efforts with the deans and with the faculty to assure that everything is sort of is in sync, that we can have the growing support that we need because it is research and scholarship that will lead the nation. And these funds are also important to bring jobs to Michigan. Vice President Gray will take steps to support the faculty in obtaining more competitive grants. 
This tech transfer issue was a big one nationally. I was just off a phone call with the AAU presidents about technology transfer, and I'm pleased to report to you today that we are partnering with the MSU Foundation to launch a new business uh, arm of the university called MSU Technologies, dedicated to maximizing our intellectual property estate, aggressively identifying opportunities for commercialization, and supporting startup companies for faculty discoveries. The search is underway now for an experienced leader, and we hope to make that an announcement within the next uh, two or three weeks so that we can move that venture forward. We've taken it as a hybrid, a new model for taking the best of what's happening around the country. Environmental stewardship is also important. Within five years, we're committed to be the go-to place for the model for significantly reducing our environmental footprint and becoming the national model for responsibly managing a sustainable, complex university ecosystem. This is not simply an announcement of a recycling center or this or that. This is looking at the ecosystem and having Michigan State University model what we need to do. In international programs, in addition to the activities of study abroad, we want to be the go-to partner internationally. China office is very important in that work in China. We have yet to sort of move to our South American strategy. We have a strong and robust African strategy. We're working on a Mideast strategy. Those have to be pulled together into a global strategy as part of land grant to world grant. And we've got to be prepared to deal with the metrics that go with that, the accountability debate nationally. And we have an opportunity to figure out a way to hold ourselves accountable for delivering our mission. The metrics, again, mark our progress against others, and that's very important. We also need to think about the way the metrics represent our value to society, and that really is the ultimate test. What value do we add to the students' lives? What value do we add to Michigan? What value do we add to the world? Those are the tests we must have. The metrics must support that. And we're going to hone our efforts so that we have not simply metrics about how to be better than the next institution, but how to be that real value for society, because that's the essence of trust, to be a value and to use the resources given to us very, very wisely in terms of our values. All in all, through the process of the last couple of years with Boldness by Design, the one question that kept, kept coming up is what does it mean to be World Grant? And it's, an, it's a term that we're beginning to define, just like land grant wasn't defined in the beginning. It took a while to define it. And then it took a while to understand that it had contemporary significance in its values. But it means in some ways being able to look at the bigger context and recognize that no problem or issue exists, domestic or global, that doesn't require a multi-dimensional approach. A multi-dimensional approach. It also means that scholarly work mustn't be informed by society's leads. We must be good listeners. It means we must be the trusted go-to resource for local, domestic, and global businesses, governments, nonprofits, and others who seek a thoughtful, power, thoughtful and strategic partner as they tackle the difficult problems that lead to innovation and that lead to prosperity. And we must be able to be a catalyst as well as an implementer, somebody who's prepared to roll up their sleeves, be in an environment day in and day out, and not simply 
move our knowledge out and stand back and watch what happens, but be sure that we're actively engaged in using that knowledge so society is better. And what I know, because I know almost all of you out there, and I know these folks, and the folks that they represent, that we have the capacity to do that. We have the intellectual expertise, we have the passion, we have the desire. But more importantly, I know that if we can put that together, we can turn society's problems into society's dreams. And we can help people of all backgrounds, of all economic strata, have the chance for their dreams to be realized, but as importantly, the chance for their dreams to be bigger. And that really is a tribute and the promise for Team MSU. So thanks to all of you for being such an important part of that team. That's Michigan State University President Luanna Simons' State of the University Address, delivered February 8, 2007 at MSU's Wharton Center. There's more information at president.msu.edu. For more MSU Today, please visit us on the web at msutoday.com. I'm Russ White for MSU Today on Impact Radio. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. On Wednesday, a student-led coalition called I Stop Hate, MSU United, held their kickoff event on MSU's campus. The initiative exists to promote diversity and inclusion at Michigan State University and received great support from the administration, the board of trustees, various student groups, and the MSU community at large. MSU President Luanna K. Simon not only opened the event, but expressed her support for the initiative. MSU Vice President Dr. Lee June was on hand as well. It's very important that students say this is the kind of environment we want, one free of hate where everyone feels welcome and included. And so I'm just pleased that the students are uniting and saying in a very visible way, this is the community we want. Leaders of many major student organizations, including the Greek community, lesbian, bisexual, gay, and transgender groups, as well as various faith-based and racial-ethnic organizations, were on hand to show their support for the initiative, which will stage several events this spring on campus. 
Event organizer Lauren Beach was on hand and detailed the goals of I Stop Hate. I would really say there are three objectives. The first is to encourage everyone on campus to really help us hold that vision on an individual level to commit themselves to stopping hate. The second is to doing programming that really fosters inclusion and service on campus. And then the third one, I guess, would be to help extend this beyond Michigan State and take it um, into the, ultimately our goal would be to take it into the East Lansing and Lansing areas and then maybe to the entire state and maybe to the country, maybe the world. So we're very enthusiastic. I Stop Hate, MSU United's first event, will be in March when they sponsor a charity walk for the MSU Student Food Bank. Information can be found online at www.diversity.msu.edu. For Impact's Friday Night Insight, I'm Ian Walker. You're listening to Friday Night Insight, and that was Ian Walker with I Stop Hate, MSU United. It's a broad uh, student-created initiative whose purpose is to encourage all Spartans to respect and value each other and the unique contributions that each makes to the MSU community. I Stop Hate, MSU United believes that only in a campus climate where every member of the MSU community feels safe and respected can all Spartans reach their true potential, making MSU a better institution for all. Now looking at Capital News, the Michigan state legislators are deciding what to cut and what to tax this year. Governor Granholm is pushing her two-penny plan, which would implement a 2% sales or excise tax on services. However, in order for this plan to pass, it has to be embraced by both Republicans and Democrats. Democrats are in control of the Michigan House, but Republicans control the state Senate. And currently, no Republican legislator has come out in favor of the two-penny tax. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Mike Bishop is calling for cuts in state funding, including education, and the prison system. Granholm already has proposed a plan to reduce spending on prisons by reducing the prison population. The governor has proposed to release 500 medically infirmed or nonviolent elderly prisoners, as well as deportable aliens. Uh, however, the governor is rejecting the idea of cutting school budgets, a move that State Senator Bishop calls irresponsible. One tax that the governor isn't considering is an increase in the gas tax. The current tax on gas in Michigan is 19 cents per gallon, falling short of the Midwest average of 21 cents per gallon. However, it is slightly higher than the national average, which is about 18 cents per gallon. Now, going back to some black history facts to wrap up uh, Friday Night Insight here, we've got some firsts. Uh, Bessie Coleman was the first African-American pilot in the world. She received her aviation license and training in France. Booker T. Washington became the first African-American to be commemorated on a stamp in 1940. Um, So you can find more facts about Black History Month online. Uh, I got mine from biography.org. And that's about all the time that we have for you uh, here on Friday. Friday Night Insight. Um, It's been a lovely evening. Got to thank Ian for his fantastic story, actually his first, and he did a great job on his I Stop Hate, uh, MSU United. Uh, Check out Friday Night Insight every Friday from 7 to 8 p.m. here on your Impact 88.9 FM. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.